Hello and welcome to the Hockey Hurts Podcast for July 9th of 2021. I'm Ryan Wilson, Penguins writer for HockeyBuzz.com. I'm Cameron Walsh from HockeyHurts.com. Welcome back to the podcast. Um, it's been a minute and we have a new Stanley... Well, no, we do not have a new Stanley Cup champion. We have a back-to-back cup champion. Tampa Bay Lightning have done it again. Uh, they are the best team in hockey and I actually do think... They are the best team in hockey, so a very uh, proper victory as far as I'm concerned. And we have some front office changes for the Penguins. And we have an expansion draft coming up, so we will talk about what the Penguins need to do, if anything, to avoid um, something negative happening due to Seattle taking somebody from them. So... Uh, we'll kick things off with congratulations to Tampa Bay Lightning. They are now the second team in the cap era to go back-to-back. Of course, the first team being the Penguins. So what did you uh, – any thoughts on, on Tampa? Uh, it felt a little bit um, inevitable, I suppose. Like that's probably the thing for me – once it got to the two teams in the finals, it was like, well, Tampa are going to destroy this. Really, they should have won it in four. Um, that's how much better they were than the team that, as much as you know, it's disrespectful to say, accidentally got their ass in there. So it's the it's the reality, I suppose, of, of the way the Stanley Cup playoffs work. You get surprises along the way, and it can, you know, it can wreck a wreck Stanley Cup Finals. Best series was probably the Colorado-Vegas series because of that. And that's the reality of sort of how it works. Yeah, I agree with that. I'm, I'm going to be honest. I found most of the hockey to be not great after the Colorado-Vegas series. And it was tough to... Um, get excited for other games when the league caters to its worst players. And the reason Colorado and Vegas could rise above that is because they had less of those players than pretty much anybody else. And they both, you know, went at each other high tempo. That was some great stuff. Uh, Not that I didn't watch any, but um, I think the time of year had a lot to do with it. Talking late June, July, weather's great. Uh, and in our neck of the woods, a lot of uh, outdoor activities to do. Why, why would I carve out time for this product that I don't even like watching most of the time because it's just a slog fest that doesn't um, cater to the skill? Now, what I'll say uh, additionally, um, Tampa is fine to watch. They, they rise above that. They have talent um, all throughout the lineup. Uh, of course, being $18 million over on the cap helps with that. I personally <laughs> don't have any problem with that. In fact, I read something from the Hockey News today. If you remember when Chicago pulled uh, that stunt with Patrick Kane, Tampa was the only team to speak out against and try to have that not be a thing. So they tried to act out against it. The league said, nope, and they're like, Okay, then. And then yep. down the road, they're like, well, we tried, but you didn't want to do anything about it, so here we are. Yeah. Um, Play within the rules you're given until they change them. Play within them. And quite frankly, every team should 
want their general manager doing that, being cutthroat. Like, they absolutely should have done that. And um, to, to be perfectly honest, though, it's a pretty unique situation. It's a condensed, shortened season. Their best player had hip surgery. I don't think you can create that confluence of situations again next year. Not for, for an 82-game season. Correct. Yeah. That's exactly right. So it all pointed to this working out well for them. But it is the same thing. If you get there and lose a key player a quarter of the way through the year and you're going to have to rehab them to get them to the, to the playoffs, and they are worth $9 bucks a year, you basically save, what's that, seven-something off the cap. You can go ahead and use that to get somebody at the deadline and make sure that you, your team is $7 million or over the cap when you hit the playoffs. keep a $5 million fourth-line center in Tyler Johnson. Yeah, I kind of forget about that. Um, <laughs> things like that. And you're right, it was a, a circumstantial thing, but at, at the same time, you know, does every team that has that, every GM in that situation play it out like that? Because let's be honest, <laughs> I don't debate that Kucherov needed a surgery or, or had an injury, but they game the hell out of that recovery time. <laughs> There's no doubt yeah, about it, that. Yeah, no, no, he probably could have been back before the deadline, which would have screwed around their whole idea, right? Yeah, that would have the way LTIR works is that would have blown the whole thing up. Correct, right? So, yes, they gained the system, but they understood the system they could work with, and I think it's brilliant. Not that you're saying that it was it was wrong, but. No, it wasn't wrong. Um, but what I do want to say is, damn, Nikita Kucherov, he literally <laughs> just didn't play in the season and said, I'll show up for the playoffs without any games, and I'm just going to go off like uh, Wayne Gretzky and Mario Lemieux. <laughs> it's yeah, damn not, impressive not what it. he did. Yeah, and it was. how about... His back-to-back postseasons, and he leaves without a con smite. Damn. That's a tough pill to swallow if I'm him. I, I mean, I'm sure he's thrilled with the, the cups, but, like, at the end of the day, these guys care about that stuff. And I'm sure he's not, like, mad at his teammate, but when you're putting up and you're the, the names Mario Lemieux and Wayne Gretzky are the ones being thrown around and you don't you don't get the MVP, like, I don't know. That's that's a rough. That's rough because I'm going to be honest. Vasilevsky's awesome and amazing, and um, I don't want to say he didn't deserve the award because his numbers are terrific. Uh, league average goaltending would have been just fine for the old Tampa Bay Lightning. <laughs> well, you know what yeah, I mean? absolutely. I mean, the, 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 that particular last series may have gone a little longer than the five games, but yeah, league average would have got him through. Absolutely. So I thought um, Kucherov's performance uh, was just phenomenal. I thought his press conference <laughs> was pretty funny. Did you get? Did you catch that? Or I've 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 seen little bits and pieces of it. I threw I some shade it, at your boy. Well, why not? <laughs> that was so it, it's there to be thrown. Funny. Oh you know man, I, mean? I loved it because this sport is so goddamn boring most of the time. Yeah. Exactly, and, and, that's, um, and that's how it should be. You know, shirt off, he's got his Bud Light, he's just shooting the shit, defending his teammates, you know, basically saying, 
<laughs> fuck you, fuck this, fuck that. We're great. He's great. Boom. <laughs> Throwing people under the bus. Um, it was a straight up 1980s wrestling heel. Yeah. And this sport needs it. Everybody's so intent in hockey on saying that they're a great guy and they've got class. And oh, the class shit is of, the most overblown. Yeah, and all of that kind of garbage and that sort of stuff. And everyone tries to make out that they're all nice, but then you look at what they actually do on the ice, it, it just... You know, Kutcher played with a busted rib, right? All because Be, they didn't because, want to Because of the call, stuff that I was bitching about earlier. Yeah, correct. Because they don't call cross-checks and stuff like that. So it's... It's it's one of those things for me where I, just, I sit there and I, sh- I shake my head and go, you are asking a whole bunch of fans to watch a winter sport in the middle of summer. Give them something to go and watch. Don't give them the the hack and slash and grab and destroy part. Even if it had been Tampa in Vegas or Tampa in Colorado, it still would have been ground down to that by the time you get to that final because it's always about... Do not make a mistake. Do not allow someone to do something great. So it always falls back to that common denominator. Rather than trying to win, teams try not to lose. And I hate it. Who's not going to tune in to Tampa's game in Montreal next year? Or the multiple games <laughs> when he goes back there? It's going to be oh, great. Yeah. Absolutely. And what can, what can the fans tell him? Nothing. He's a back-to-back cup winner. He beat your team. There's nothing to say. They can boo the shit out of him. It doesn't matter. Um, what I will say is a lot of people are making fun of him for, for being drunk off like a one or two Bud Lights. And uh, I'm not so sure the, the alcohol was uh, the, the driving force in that interview, <laughs> if I'm going to be completely honest. I think the NHL has another uh, substance uh, that's very popular with the players that might... Uh, Give a player some confidence and uh, make them talkative. And I'll just leave it at that. Um, which, personally, the beer, the, I'm not... The beer is the masking agent. <laughs> so I'm just going to uh, throw that out there as well. I don't mean to place accusations, but, um, you know. And I'm not even uh, throwing any fault... If I won a Stanley Cup and uh, was <laughs> putting up Lemieux uh, Gretzky numbers, uh, I, I I would celebrate the Stanley Cup as well. So uh, overall, I thought the the whole thing uh, worked quite well for what I want. I want entertaining uh, comments. I don't give a shit about this faux class bullshit that uh, the NHL loves peddling. Uh, the NHL full of class yet. Um, We'll let sexual abuse happen with the Chicago Blackhawks, yeah. and let pe- and now that th- that coach goes on to the college, and now there is abuse there as well. So the Blackhawks basically facilitated um, abuse. So um, you know, you want to talk about class? Go talk about that issue as being the problem, not. Um, a player who just won the Stanley Cup and is just having a good time. So, um, you know, I didn't, I had no intention of bringing up the Chicago thing. Um, that's uh, obviously an awful situation. Fuck the Blackhawks. Fuck the front office. Fuck the league. 
Um, they're all just pieces of shit, and it's really awful, and I hope a lot of people get punished um, for all of that. So, I don't know. I don't got much more to add. It's just a, the more you hear about it, the worse it gets. Yeah. I, if this is a off-season conversation to have, let's not have it now. <laughs> yeah, so, um, yeah, fuck everything about that situation. So, you know, Tampa's going to have to really get creative this off-season. They are going to um, lose chunks of their team. And, you know, that they, they knew that. That's the nature of... Um, the salary cap league it's the the nature of paying your stars um you know which is fine um they're just gonna have to reload um like every other team so probably blake coleman barclay goodrow tyler johnson are probably all going bye-bye if i had to wager a guess well i think coleman and goodrow will they're like they've got their cups. Let's uh, let's nick off and go make some money because they'll get overpaid. Oh, the Stanley think, Cup luxury tax is definitely going to be uh, yeah yeah flying on that. Yeah, especially Blake Coleman, he's um really solid player uh, and back-to-back cups and all of that. So he's it'll be really interesting to see what team. Uh, he eventually signs with and for what because i believe he's 29 ish coleman's 29 goudreau's 28 goudreau's not on that same level though no good player like good depth player obviously um so there's that uh the other thing the thing that's scary the thing that is scary about this tampa team sorry is that if the salary cap was going to continue to go up, they're pretty likely to have been able to have kept this team together. COVID might wreck these guys' chance of getting three. Ah, uh, 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 it gave them a 56-game season to cheat. Mm, yeah, okay. Swings and roundabouts is a fair call. Uh, <laughs> I said cheat. I, they didn't cheat. I know what you mean. I know what you mean. Uh. The other thing I uh, want to say about their uh, cup run, it was nice to see Steven Stamkos be a complete part of it and play well. Yeah. Uh, I thought it was a real baller move last year when he played one game and scored that awesome goal that he scored. He obviously shouldn't <laughs> have been playing. Um, you know, and I, I think that him scoring that goal made him feel a little bit better about winning the cup last year. But it's a whole different... Like, he... He's been a tremendous player his entire career. He's had a lot of injuries. This, he deserved to go through the playoffs, be a contributor, and get a positive result. So I know that this one probably felt better for him, obviously, than last year's. So good for him. I'm happy um, he got to experience that. Yeah, it does. It's... Yeah, he's somebody that you you're cheering for, not against. So, and it's good. I'm happy that the team got to win a cup in front of fans. That was really yeah, weird last year. Think yeah. about, let's say, 
Who did they even play last year? I can't even. Dallas. Oh, Dallas. Yeah, Dallas like hasn't won since '99. Dallas wins the cup in front of like nobody in Edmonton or whatever. Like, yeah. you know, not that it, they would have, you know, the fans would have been happy, the players obviously happy, but you know, it it was kind of it's a lot lamer with nobody in there, and, and Tampa to do it at home, full arena. Um, that it felt right. And, um, it was nice to, nice to see it again. Nice to see the proper Stanley Cup celebration. I always make a point to, um, tune in for that. I mean, that goes without saying it's one of the best, um, it is, and I'm not even pleased like my sporting it. It's one of the best trophy presentations out there. It's a really good moment. And I, I just yeah. like that it's done out in front of the fans. Basketball, they run off and vanish. And the players get it first. Yes, that's even more important, I think. Um, you're not listening to an owner blather on. Um, it goes right to the players, and they get to skate it around in front of the fans. There's nothing better. So, um, Anything else on Tampa? Anything on Montreal? Uh, it'll be interesting. I think Montreal's looking at a mirage. I don't know about you. So this offseason is going to be very interesting to see what they do with who they bring back and what they do with their kids. Not looking like Tatar's coming back, which yeah. I think would be it's kind of a little bit of weird. a mistake. Um, yeah, I think so. Weird they didn't play him at all in the playoffs, more so. <laughs> Um, his, his line with Deneau, the underlying numbers of that line kicked ass. And the basic numbers, I think they were 18 goals, 4-3 against this year. So, yeah. very weird. Um, but yeah, they, you know, Carey Price played great until he didn't, and that really helped them. But he's going to continue to get older. It's not like he's been super lights out for entire regular seasons in recent years. Uh, they are going back to their division, not the fake Canadian division. And you're going to deal with Tampa, Toronto, Boston, and I would throw Florida in there now. Not Montreal, Montreal might Toronto. not make they the play. They can handle Toronto, buddy. I don't think they can handle Toronto over the course of an 82-game season. That's all right. I just have to get it in seven games. <laughs> look, Toronto beat themselves. Let's be perfectly honest here when we look at that. Like that, that There's no Montreal beat them there. Toronto mentaled themselves out of that series. Well, I would have liked to have seen John Tavares playing. <laughs> well, that would help. Instead of what happened, but... That's the nature of the sport. So I think Montreal's I'm not saying they're going to miss the playoffs, but they are at a risk of it. They are back into that buzzsaw of a division. They need to fall they, they need to they need to fall in love with their young players and overplay them. I think Suzuki yeah. and Caulfield showed them What about Cotton and Yimmy? Like I not, hope not so. Playing game five, like that's. It, a bit that I don't. I don't I, quite frankly, I don't think their coach is that good. 
I know it's weird to say because they made the, the final, but I think a lot of that was goaltender juiced. Yeah, so th- that's what I mean. Like, the, the losing team, when you make it to the cup finals when you're the losing team, it's always a massive challenge to try and work out what to do. It's like, were we close or were we lucky? And that's a really hard conversation to have with yourself. Because if you're the general manager, like, these decisions here, your job's technically on the line. You kind of think, oh, you know, it probably gave me a couple of years extra security, right? It doesn't really, because you make a couple of bad moves now, and you go south real quick at the start of the year, expectations are high from the fan base and ownership. Very easy to have you have to fire your coach to save your own bacon, and then out the door you go. So... Yeah, think when was the the last time? Was it Pittsburgh? Was the last team that lost and then got back the next year, which is like oh eight oh nine, right? Oh, lost in a final and got back to the final. Yeah, it's not common. You might be no. right. So so it's it's really really hard to do. I mean, you look at how many cracks. Yeah, because even Tampa, Washington... when they lost to Chicago, I don't think they made it the next year. No, but no, they Pittsburgh were smart. Did. They came they one was, game close, Cam. They, yeah. Game seven with Pittsburgh, uh, they they did get to the conference final game seven. But yeah, you're right. Like it's a tough, it's a tough thing to do. So that's the thing with Montreal. Like I think they're a little fool's goldy with this particular season. Um, they got some building blocks, and they can they improve and build towards it. But they best not think that this was. Like, this roster is, you know, you should expect those results. I just don't see it. Great run. Their third pairing, their third pairing is a problem. Um, Most teams are. Yeah. I understand that. But if you want to if you want to be a repeat attempter at trying to win one of them, you can't afford to be. I mean, it's one of the things with, if, if we try to compare it with what Pittsburgh's going through, Pittsburgh have got, like, three generational talents on their roster. And if their third pairing is terrible with the age that their generational players are now and their third and fourth lines aren't deep enough, they really struggle. And and Montreal do not have those generational players on that roster. That's like that's one of those things that some of these general managers I don't think understand. You might have great players. Oh, here's your best player. But if they are not Alex Ovechkin or Sidney Crosby or Nikita Kucherov level type players... They haven't got any of those at the moment on their roster. They've got nobody that can pick them and carry them. Cole Caulfield, man. So good that the coach wouldn't play him until he had to. Gotta love that one. Classic. No. Classic. But, uh, so yeah. It's like, it's like Verona when yeah. Washington won. I, I literally almost <laughs> brought that exact one up. Uh, Jesus. It happens every year. Some scrub, some scrub, untalented player gets hurt. They put in the young, skilled guy, and they're like, oh, my God, look at these He can actually do some stuff. Yeah, no shit. <laughs> like, come on. Uh, it's wild that it's still a thing. Wild. Absolutely wild. <laughs> so, all right. Stanley Cup final's over. Let's head to the offseason. I can tell you what was not on my bingo card for the offseason. Sam Ventura going to the Buffalo Sabres, although I do welcome him to Western New York. Um, <laughs> I, you know, never thought um, that was going to happen. Um, I know there's a new regime 
But even with that, like this wasn't like, oh well, you know the new regime, Sam will probably leave. Uh, <laughs> you know what I mean? Like that news was uh, pretty crazy. <clears throat> yeah, it's it's interesting. I reading through a few of the tweets when it happened and those kinds of things. I noticed that all of the Sportsnet people that might be friends or know Brian Burke didn't mention the fact that he's not big on the numbers when Ventura went out the door, didn't want to get there and say, well, that could be because of him. It was all like, oh, Hextel's obviously got a different plan and Hextel's obviously got his own way he wants to do it. Burke's made it pretty clear he doesn't believe in that kind of stuff. So if the two of those men aren't going to agree with what they're doing, then it doesn't surprise me that Sam got walked. I mean, I hope he can help turn Buffalo around. Well, here's... And I have no insider information on any of this. This is just my personal speculation. Um, You know, you get the regime change. Jason Carmanos, who was with Rutherford the entire way, uh, Carolina and Pittsburgh. He's the one that hired Sam. Mm. And Buffalo just hired Carmanos and to you know um, what is his title there? He's not the GM. He, I think he's the assistant GM. And um, this might just be a situation where Carmanos wanted Sam, um, offered him a, a better seat at the table. Of you know we're actually going to you will have some some leverage in the decision making process not that um sam did not have any in pittsburgh i think some of those uh penguin produced tv shows uh shows behind the scenes you know had had some of that insider stuff in there that sam was involved with a little bit here a little bit there but I do think it's a promotion for Mr. Ventura and, you know, probably one tough to pass up. He gets to work with someone Absolutely. who's familiar with him, that um, clearly values him. And the Sabres are really a unique team right now because Kevin Adams is not your classic uh, experienced general manager. Uh, this is a situation where you could see a GM just kind of uh, not, I think outsourcing is probably the wrong word, but, you know, delegating some big responsibilities to others and having them be more of a team decision kind of thing where I always felt like it was Rutherford's show and, and no matter what inputs got to him, he would take them or leave them however he wanted to and he was making the choice on the personnel decisions anyways. So, um, well, it feels like you're dumping your information into a black hole. Is it really being listened to? Probably not. Um, and I think the opportunity to work with the Sabres probably has a different feeling. Now he, he has to not only hit the ground running, he's got to hit it like Usain Bolt in the Olympics. Cause the Sabres got a lot of shit to take care of. Is he going to be able to keep Eichel in town? No, Is he going to be gone. able to convince Eichel's him? Gone. So he's <laughs> got to find a good Eichel trade. He's got to figure out what to do with that number one overall pick if Owen Power's really the uh, the proper choice there. Who wants to trade with them? 
that kind of stuff. So you're going to a team where you're trading a franchise player right out as soon as you're there. You have a number one overall pick in a year where I would say there's not really a number one overall pick. Anytime there's a discussion about it, it's not a, there's not a number one overall pick. Because even as great as Jack Eichel was, everybody's like, well, yeah, duh, he's the second overall pick, Connor McDavid, of course. Um, yeah, 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 there was no argument. Like, if Genny Malkin even, like, was never, it was never not going to be Alex Ovechkin. It was, yeah, if Genny Malkin kicks ass too. Uh, that's that's not what this situation is. This feels like a Yakupov draft. Right. Or maybe yeah. even Ekblad. Yeah, that's true. But but again, not where you want to be, drafted number one overall. And no offense to Rasmus Dahlin, but the Sabres at number one overall have not had the luxury of selecting the game-changing center um, both times they've had the number one overall pick. Now, they got fortunate with Eichel at number two, but they've yeah, had the number one pick anymore. now twice, and you're not even talking about a Jack Eichel forward there, which is kind of fucked up. <laughs> it's the risk of burning it down to build it back up, isn't it? It's all timing. Well, they could have... They they did fuck all that up, but that was self-inflicted. Um they they definitely could have handled all of it a lot better. So, um, yeah. So I I personally think very very highly of Sam Ventura, and I think that it's the Penguins' loss and the Sabers' gain. Clearly, uh, I will say this: I haven't seen anything. Katarina Wu was a recent hire for the Penguins for uh, in the analytic department for them. I, I, until I hear otherwise, I assume she's still there, and I'm, I'm, I bet she's very talented. Um, but as a newer hire, it's going to take time for that voice to ring out in the front office, I think, whereas Sam was like literally an interim assistant GM. Yeah, that's true. So, I like what the Sabres are doing here. Doesn't guarantee success, but it probably eliminates the what the fuck are you doing (laughs) kind of move. And that's a huge thing. I know that that's Micah Blake McCurdy's favorite favorite line, I think, is... uh, Pay me a million a year, and I'll tell you no five times. Yeah. <laughs> and you'll be better for it. And he's right. Yeah. I did like that line from Mike here. I think that's good. So, do I think it's devastating to the Penguins? No, I don't want to oversell any of this, but I think it's, um, I guess disappointing would be the word I would use. I think you have one of the brightest minds in this um, genre of you know hockey analysis homegrown there's no cap on you know having a team of an analytics department 
that's where rich teams should yes. get the unfair advantage. And in this particular sport, it feels like they just don't believe in it enough to see the the gaping hole of advantage they could take but from other teams. They clearly didn't give them a, a big enough seat at the table because the Sabres' job was more appealing. And I think that's I think that's a mistake by Pittsburgh. And, you know, it is what it is. And welcome to Western New York, Sam. So those are my go thoughts a, on that. Go, go have a beer with him now. <laughs> Still 60 miles away, but... Closer than Pittsburgh. Yeah. Um, so let's talk expansion here. Um, do you have any hot takes on what the Penguins should do? Not really. I, I think most of Pittsburgh's choices are, are pretty self-explanatory. You're at the edges in regards to Zucker, Matheson, and Jerry in regards to exceptional hot takes, and they're not even that hot. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, I, I would argue those aren't very hot at all. That's what I mean. It's like if, if they decided to not protect any of those three players on the hope that one of them walked, vanished all of a sudden, and the whole cap hole that that would help create for the team happened, it'd be like, yeah, sure, go for it. No one's going to touch Jerry with a 12-foot pole anyway. So Not not Seattle. You know how many goaltending options are going to be available to them? Yeah. Why would they why would they take on three? Well, the 3.5 mil for the, the cap might be interesting yeah. to them. But, so, yeah, the Matheson one, it's like I... They're not taking them. No, no, no. That's the sort of thing for me. It's like I'd love to see them walk in because the contract is bad, right? But, you know, I... The way I currently am enjoying my hockey, as a fan, I will live with his errors for the plus side that he, he offers. Yes. He's a gong show. <laughs> but it's interesting. Yes, it is. It's yeah, not, and, and it's not to, Jack Johnson either. No, and trying to win a Stanley Cup with him, that's when it start, he starts to become a problem. He, he would here. do some end-to-end thing in overtime and hit the crossbar or some shit. Uh, do some other really cool stuff, and then he'd, like, totally fuck up a two-on-one or something. Yeah, and then, then your season's over. And it's it's the risk you play when you, you have those kind of guys. And I'm like, that's the kind of hockey I want to watch, though. I want to watch guys try to do stuff to win rather than try and negate volume of errors. And so, you know, you're not going to get that kind of ability out of Marcus Pedersen, but he is going to, to make fewer errors than, than Matheson. So, just, he's not worth he's not worth the almost five million we're paying. No. <laughs> so for the forwards you got Crosby, Melk, and Gensel Rust. That's four that are duh, right? Yeah, but Carter's duh as well. Well, okay, so Kapanen and McCann, I think, yes. are givens. Carter, we both agree. You've been chasing your tail as an organization since Nick Medino left to get a competent third line center. And you have wasted a shit ton of assets. <laughs> don't roll the dice because you don't want the Kraken to take a fourth line player and lose your third line center. I don't care if you think that Jeff Carter's old. Why would they want him? I can tell you exactly why they would want him. 
because they would juice him up with his usage and flip him at the deadline. Yeah. That's like the easiest thing they could do. Who, who, if you take Carter, who are you afraid that the, that no, the Kraken no, are going to take? Tanev? Nobody. Like, nobody. That, that's sort of the thing. It's like you leave Zucker exposed because if they take him at five and a half mil, you can try. You and, have five and a half mil. Yeah, that's the thing. Like, Oh, by the way, Brandon Saad, potential UFA. Do you want to replace him with him? I just did a blog on it today. No, I do not think Brandon Saad would take a discount to play for his hometown team. But I think if you gave a competitive offer that is relatively the same as some of the other teams giving him offers, I think then the hometown thing might be the nudge. Well, it's not just the hometown thing either. It's the hometown thing, and Pittsburgh are a chance to win it. Uh, They're borderline. Like, this is the thing. They are borderline chance to win it. I mean, in a perfect world, he'd be like, yeah, Colorado. But they they have $25 in cap space, which sounds great, until you realize they have to re-sign Landis Cog, Makar, and Grubauer. And and have to navigate McKinnon's sweetheart deal going bye-bye so if they give sod six mil and some term like that six mil is going to bleed over into when they have to give mckinnon his real contract and they can't be doing that so they have to really be careful with their mid-tier um like you can't overpay you can't overpay like you know 750 to a mil no for a mid-tier guy when you've got those those particular four players that you mentioned coming up because with a flat cap all, as you mentioned yeah they're all massive cap hits and you, you're not going to do something to piss off any of those four players to have them go i don't want to be here so sad you know i'm just throwing him out as an example example yeah um of somebody that you could potentially replace zucker with in that dollar range um the guy we mentioned earlier today thomas Thomas Tatar, I think, is another good candidate, in my opinion, for the Penguins. I'll write something about that in the near future. And him sitting out the entire playoffs, you know how Blake Coleman will get the, the Stanley Cup luxury tax boost? Yeah, it's the reverse. Yeah, yeah, you could do some, you could do some uh, take Tatar situation and, and get him for cheaper than what his actual. <laughs> The, th- the thing with Zucker kind of reminds me a little bit of David Perron. I think that the trade's right. For some other reason, it just doesn't quite work in Pittsburgh. It did, though, right. with Sid. <sighs> Couldn't stay healthy. Well, they also refused to play him with him because Sid has to have but Gensel. If, but it feels... Yeah, I don't know. It's... Sullivan is not flexible, and he was unwilling, and it put Malkin and... Zucker in a bad spot, um, but it was a weird season. Malkin started cold, got better, Zucker got hurt. Zucker gets healthy, Malkin goes down. So I'm not, I'm, I'm honestly not as down on Zucker as a lot of people are. I think there's still mm-hmm. a player that can contribute, Absolutely. even at that cap hit. Um, I would much rather lose, surprise, surprise, Brandon Tanev's 3.5 million 
and even Pedersen to clear space. Although I'm only saying Pedersen because I don't think Matheson is realistic. Yeah. Obviously, I would I prefer Pedersen to Matheson um, in this situation. So, um, speaking of defense. You know, the Penguins can protect three, but they really only need to protect two, as far as I'm concerned. Uh, the reason being John Marino is not eligible to be taken, so he does not count. Latang and Dumoulin, and I think I wrote in my article, I have a off-the-wall third selection, Mark Friedman. Come on down, buddy. We're going to protect you. Uh, <laughs> why am I doing that? Because I don't give a shit if the Kraken take Pedersen, Matheson, whoever. They, the Penguins need to reallocate their cap space, and part of that is clearing out some of the money on the left side of the defense because you can play Pierre-Olivier-Joseph on his entry-level contract, put him in a bottom-pairing role, and save some money. So um, he, you, looked, he, looks, he looks ready enough for that at a minimum, doesn't he? Ready enough for a bottom-pairing, yep. Totally yeah. down with it. I think people got a little bit carried away with his ceiling. Um, but certainly an NHL player, and he's not making any money, so that's what you want to take advantage of. If you're the Penguins, you got to cut and trim some of the fat off of this roster. So, you know, my goal for the expansion draft would be to have as many of these mid-tier contracts available for the Kraken because you don't know exactly how things are going to shake out with all the other teams and what's going to be available. You don't know if they're going to be looking for somebody to just have a cap hit to get them to the floor. It might turn out they just take Teddy Bluger. And that's a real scenario. And, you know, yeah. I would rather they not. <laughs> but it's tight Jankowski. At, at the, well, he's, he's, <laughs> um, I'm sorry. You know, losing Bluger would that that would suck because I think he's a very good fourth line center, and having Crosby, Malkin, Carter, Bluger that's really good. But at the end of the day, we're still talking about a fourth line player going bye bye. You could um, substitute Freddie Gaudreau in there for league minimum, and while he's not as good as Bluger, you're certainly not doing. It's not awful. a massive full away, yeah. Well, I, I do think there's a gap there. I think Bluger is a very good um, player. It's not Jankowski gap. No, God no. no what a bum. Um, so that would be my plan. And I would protect DeSmith. I would let Jari. I would not protect Jari. That would just be another one of those. All right. You know, you, you can't get lucky if you don't put the player out there for Seattle. And I want to I want to get lucky, put all those players out there, those mid-tier contracts, and see what happens. So I don't think there's a bad scenario for the Penguins for the expansion draft at all, quite frankly. Um, I think they should probably look to um, move Zucker. I I think you might have some teams. Um, willing to take him on his term is reasonable uh i believe it's two more years at the most so um it shouldn't be that bad 
Yeah, I don't think it's... Yeah, I think you're right. King. Where is he on here? Zooker's 2023. Yeah, it's just... Uh, yeah, two, this and next. Yeah. Um, someone like the LA Kings who maybe want to take... I'm not saying Zucker's going to take him to the next step or anything, but like no, go, going mean. from, okay, we're rebuilding to, okay, we're going to try and make the playoffs. He, he could maybe potentially be. So what Hextall and Burke have to do right now, I would be shopping Matheson first and foremost. I, I don't think it's realistic. <laughs> I would be shopping Zucker to get some draft capital. You don't want a player back because then you got to protect them, right? Yeah, that's true. Get some draft picks there, um, and 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 put them on a team that you know isn't really in trouble. And the Kings strike me as a team that really aren't in trouble expansion draft wise because most of their young talented players aren't eligible to be taken anyways. So. Um, I'd be shopping Pedersen to see um, because they just have to shave the money. I just I wish. God damn the Matheson trade. I mean, what the fuck? It's such a headache. Um, the thing that's <clears throat> excuse me, sorry everyone. Um, I what you've just said then is about a third of the league needs to do the same thing. Though. I know, I know. It's, and, it's, and that's it's, it's the problem with the flat cap is a lot of teams are going to attempt to do exactly what you said, which is how do we quote-unquote trick other teams to be stupid enough to take on a bad salary from us, give us, you know, zero cap back so that we can then obviously offload another bad salary to Seattle it's whoever gets in there first will be the will be the teams that win in that upper echelon of tight cap teams the teams that get that done will be the ones that I think will be streets ahead yeah I think um I think LA is a candidate though for for that Well, you've got LA, you've got Anaheim I think would be in that same situation in regards to having the space to do Edmonton it. Needs a winger. Edmonton apparently needs an old man Duncan Keith. I don't know, <laughs> I know. what is going but, on but in that. My point exactly, like, they're not well run, <laughs> you know? So. Because, yeah. Actually, that entire corner of Canada is in an interesting situation this year. Yeah, so. Yeah, I. I I haven't done much with expansion for Pittsburgh because I think a lot of it's pretty straightforward. So it seems that way. When is the actual expansion draft? When does it actually occur? I think the uh, expansion draft is on the 23rd, but the teams have to the the protection list will be announced on the 18th. So we're um, a week away, nine days yeah. or so. So pretty so, exciting. So it's entry draft first. Then the exposure list, then the draft, or is the exposure list before the entry draft? Bef- uh, everything expansion is before the entry draft. Right. Okay. Gotcha. Gotcha. So. Um, Sorry, that's just me being very lazy here. I could. No, 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 no. Up. It's fine. I, I, the only reason I know is because I had to do it for a blog. So. 
Um, all right. <laughs> I have to call it. I have to get Dark. my daughter to a soccer game for a tournament. So this is where we will leave you this week. Um, congratulations to Tampa Bay Lightning. Congratulations to Sam Ventura on your new position with the Buffalo Sabres. Um, and I think that will be it. Catch you next time, guys. See ya.